Wow, I am so excited to share today's episode with you guys. It's with Chris Reeve of Reeve Social Media. Wow. Uh, this episode is so emotional. We speak about losing our mothers and I, I receive plentiful advice from Chris on how to cope with grief and how to channel that energy. And I hope anyone who's listening gets some sort of solace from this or some key takeaway, especially if you've suffered something similar. Please excuse my cold right now. I promise you I don't sound like this throughout the entire episode. Please enjoy. Please send some feedback at Development by David and reach out to Chris too. He would love that. Thanks. Hello, hello, hello everybody. What a day it is. And that's because we have Chris Reeve in the virtual building today. How are we, Chris? Really good. Thank you, David. Really good. I'm really excited to be chatting to you. Um, but more importantly, really, really excited to be chatting to you about about a topic that that I feel um, a lot of people need to be more open about. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited and, and very humbled to be asked to come on. So thank you very much for your time. I'm grateful, mate. I heard your mind blowing, mic dropping podcast with Colin Campbell, Campbell Conversations, and Colin recommended this specific podcast to me because I lost my mum and so have you and you touch on it quite a lot and you knew that I'd find find solace in it um it was great to hear you you talk so openly and so eloquently about your mum and especially how you channeled that energy I lost my mum this year in February and hearing what you had to say was like hearing my my own voice so as soon as as soon as I listened to this podcast I dropped what I did and I just reached out to you with a voice not just to talk to you, mate. So I'm just, I just want to say to you, I'm so grateful that you released that podcast. I found so much solace in it. You should be so proud. Thanks, mate. No, yeah, Cole's, uh, that means a lot to me. Look, Cole's a top man um, and his podcast is absolutely fantastic. Um, and as I said to you off air before this conversation, it's it's really important that, that you know, we, we speak about these subjects and not hide away from them. Um, and and you, you and, and that, that is the reason why I do this because um, because I want people to find solace in it. I want people to, um, to to know that it's going to be okay. I want people to know the fact that people can not get over it, but people can find a way. Um, and I think what I'm doing is my, my mission um, with regards to grief uh, is is to make sure that other people, particularly young young people, um, they have a railway track to go down because I think if I look back to, you know, when I was 14, when my mum passed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, I didn't have, I didn't have a rail railway track to go down. I wasn't really shown the way. Um, and I think there's no, well, there's definitely no right way. Um, as, as I'm sure we'll get, we'll, we'll get onto, but yeah, my, my mission is to make sure that, you know, I'm leaving the world in a better place, and and that for me is to to, to use the, the 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 very hard uh, lesson of adversity and, and and help people like you. So, mate, it's it's incredible to hear that story, and and yeah, as I say, I'm just I'm chuffed to be speaking to you again about yeah. it. It's great, mate. Your mission statement that you just described to me there in terms of grief, in terms of having a railway track, I really appreciate that. Like, I, I feel like there is no you can't tell anyone what to do when it comes to grief, but you can almost you can almost advise what not to do, um, because I'm sure we'll talk talk about it. But in terms of mental health, especially the stigma around men's men's mental health, um, sometimes society tells us that um, as men we can't grieve and we can't show show emotion. But I'll leave that till later, mate. Uh, 
I guess off the bat, I want the listeners to understand for however many or how few people don't know who you are. Who is Chris Reeves in 2020? In 2020? Wow. Who are you right now today, mate? Well, very, very different, very different. Um, Much like, well, I guess everyone really, everyone's changed this year, um, probably. Um, What am I in 2020? So I'm the managing director of my own business called Reeves Social Media, where I I look after um, many different social media accounts, uh, non-execs, chairmans, directors, uh, build, develop, uh, pers- personal brands and um, help small businesses scale on social media, help medium businesses maintain and manage and optimize their social to, to win more business. So that's, that's my, my day job. That's what, that, that's what pays the bills. Um, but you know, I've, I've grown and developed a um, kind of my own personal brand over the last probably, well, at least four years now through Talk Norwich City. Um, I'm a massive Norwich fan. Um, and yeah, so I do a lot of football media work. We, we, we're very much like the, the trailblazers locally in terms of a, a fan channel, the first fan channel that for Norwich City. Built that, developed it. Um, so that's where I spend all of my evenings pretty much, planning and preparing content, filming podcasts, interviewing former footballers, um, you know, and yeah, no, so it's, so it's incredible. So that, that's, that's kind of what I do. Um, and then I, yeah, as you've already got a little taste of kind of who I am, I'm just, I'm massively passionate about helping people around grief. It's really important to me. And I'm on a mission now more than ever to, to, to do that because I think 2020 is as intensified everyone's emotions and feelings and everyone's thought, actually, hang on a minute, what the hell am I doing on planet earth? And, and how do I really want to live my life? Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I try and, um, in my spare time, try and help people because, you know, it's, I think that the classic phrase here is, um, we rise by lifting others. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. A lot of people are, um, to be honest with you, quite selfish in their intentions and you hit the ceiling quite quickly. And so what I've done, you know, certainly, uh, you know, this year, definitely, but over the last two or three years is I've really just tried to just help as many people as possible. And it's, it's really helped my career and also um, myself as a person, you know, go to the next level. Um, I've just proposed to my missus um, at the top of Ben Nevis. So I'm, uh, I'm now recently engaged. Aww. So yeah, no, honestly, mate, you know, 2020 for me, I, I didn't want to surrender to this year as well. Um, so I've kind of, I've kind of done some mad stuff, which I'm sure we'll get onto, but yeah, th- th- that's a very snapshot into basically I do football media and I do social media. That's me. I love that intro, mate, and massive congratulations. I'm so proud to hear that you you asked the big question in my Scottish home ground. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Hey, beautiful country. Unbelievable. Honestly, really, really lovely country. I've, I'm, um, I've got family in Glasgow and Giffnock, so I enjoy going up to Scotland. Oh, fantastic, mate, fantastic. And I, I, I loved your message there. Um, I guess a, a touch point that I want to talk about is that when my when my mum passed away, um, I did have a reframe in values just to do good. That's my new North Star, just to do good. Um, nice. But I guess before we go on to our values and where we kind of interlink there, I kind of want to give the the, the listeners a brief introduction to you know, your your sad loss of your mum. Just kind of the background information about it and how you channeled that that negative what should have been negative energy into something much more positive well yeah so well to well to very briefly talk about it um you know i, I was about yes yeah, so i was 13 
Um, and then uh, my mum got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer in, in around 2007. Um, so then we went through the, the cancer process, which is um, obviously utterly horrendous um, for um, a year. Um, and yeah, uh, about oh, probably about, I think it was possibly eight months in, she was told that she wasn't going to live any longer than two weeks. And, and she ended up living another two months. Um, which was uh, good and bad for different reasons. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's been easy. You just need to do this because it's not. And what happened to me was when my mum passed, I spent three years uh, dragging through life like a core bag of shit, to be honest with you. Uh, I hope this isn't, uh, I hope you're not monetizing this, David. If not, that's <laughs> no, that's definitely not. <laughs> No, just basically, yeah, just 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 um, dragged through life like a cob bag of shit, and didn't have a direction, didn't know where to go, didn't know who to talk to, didn't know how to talk, um, and then I met a bloke called Gavin Drake from a company called Mindspan, who really, really, um, really changed my life, and he opened me up to the world of self psychology, and you can imagine as a, as a, as a very young kid at the time, I was thinking, Oh, what's this nonsense? Oh, do I need to learn about this? Do I need to learn about that? And Gavin quickly told me and taught me about thinking cycles, about how to get your negative yourself out of the negative spiral about self-talk, about the power of gratitude, about journaling, um, amongst a ton of other stuff. Um, so if anyone's watching or listening to this now, you know, be sure to, to, to search Mindspan by Gavin Drake. It's a really easy read and a great, great guy. Um, and yeah, basically, honestly, that, that was the light bulb moment for me where I, where I, I've now, you know, flipped that and now use it, um, as, as fuel to my fire and, and always have done from that very point. Um, it was really, really shit for three years, like utterly horrendous. And then I just, just, it just, changed for me it just became it just became a very different thing because I was thinking about the way I was thinking and I was um not afraid to show vulnerability and not afraid to show my emotions and not afraid to talk to people uh, it's still difficult it still is difficult to this very day but you know that that's that's what's happened um and that's that's how I've turned it around in in a very very basic explanation I love that Chris and I'm so so sorry for your loss and I'm so sorry it took you I guess three years to kind of get yourself onto that kind of fuel for your fire mindset and the resources you shared there, I'm going to make sure to check out because although I use some of the techniques that you mentioned there, I've never, I've never had them coined or had a, a, a terminology for them. I just implement them because they make me feel good. I call them my non-negotiable happiness mechanisms. Um, so I'm definitely going to check out those resources, mate. And what you said there had me thinking. Um, and I'm not sure if you feel the same here, but I, I know from my own life, I've had, I've had quite a troubled life and I'd say I've suffered from every hardship besides war, disease and terror. I would maybe not even use disease now because we've all suffered from disease this year, maybe indirectly with the coronavirus, but I, I always grew up assuming that I would lose my mum later in life because that's the kind of standard picture that maybe when you're 50 or 60, it depends on your mum's age, you'll lose them when they're old. And because this happened so early on in my life, I almost, my brain almost tells myself that I am old and therefore everything from now onwards is surplus living. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. I know where you're coming from. Um, everything feels like a bit of a bonus. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, and, and what and what and what happens, and people will under, and and I, I don't want to come across as arrogant by saying this. It, it's very much a case of if you know, you know. And quite often around death, people will say, um, "I I I totally understand how you're feeling," and they don't. Um, and what I say to people, because I've been through that adversity like yourself, David, as well, you know, you can now appreciate and understand that. And those are two really important words to use when you're talking to someone um, about it, if you've been through it yourself. But one of the things you you said there, David, is key. I think um, you become acutely aware of time and time is your most precious resource. Um, you know, 1,440 minutes in a day, I believe it is. And it's those things that I never even thought about that before. And I laid in loads. I used to sleep loads all the time. And now I'm up and I'm awake and I'm going because I'm going to die. And I talk about it all the time. And some it probably makes people feel slightly uncomfortable, actually. But, but genuinely now, and I said this on Cole's podcast, and I'll say it on yours as well. Genuinely, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I'm 100% satisfied with my life. And people go, whoa what what i'm like well yeah i mean it because what's happened since mum's died is i've made sure that i'm doing stuff that makes me happy truly happy and you realize what really matters and, and there is actually a, i'm going to give you another resource now there's this book that i've recently tuned into called the daily stoic right by a guy called uh ryan holiday great second name um i was recently recommended this by jake Humphrey, who who actually um hosts the high performance podcast bt sport presenter a lot of people will know him and um, that's a great podcast, by the way, as well. Anyway, The Daily Stoic, amazing book. I'm just going to read you a segment literally from, so basically it's one page a day and it's just dead easy and it's so easy to read, but it gives you loads of wisdom. And it was just coincidental that a couple of days ago, the, the actual title of this page is Pretend Today is the End. So it says here, let us pretend our in our minds as if we'd come to the very end of life. Let us postpone nothing. Let us balance life's books today. The one who puts the finishing touches on their life each day is never short of time. And I think it's really important to, to think about mortality. Um, and so, you know, and I'm sure we'll get onto it in a minute, but um, I'll tell you very, very briefly now, I've now got some real, real firm, you know, things that I think about and I quantify my life and, and success on. Um, and, and how do I get myself out of hole and all sorts? So those three things are perspective, gratitude, and my own mortality. And I'm sure we'll touch on that in a minute, but those are the ways that I can get myself out again. But basically to answer your, your question there, it wasn't even really a question, to respond to your, to your point there, mate. Um, yeah, like I totally get where you're coming from. Everything feels like it's extra. Which is, which is actually an incredible feeling and one that I actually really value and feel really blessed and grateful for that I've got now. Yeah, I think we, and I love that passage from uh, the Daily Stoic book there. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. Um, I recently had that similar thought to, I heard news of a local girl who passed away from cancer at 18. And then I realized that I'm, I'm 22. And I don't want to say I gamified it, but I pictured myself receiving news that I had cancer and had a certain small window to live. And just envisaging that and putting myself in that perspective, as, as you mentioned, made me upset. 
it gave me butterflies in my stomach. I felt unfulfilled. And in that moment in time, I became, I don't want to say it, but David with cancer. And what would David with cancer think? David would list probably items that he wants to achieve. and Almost like a bucket list or a wish list. So and good. I realized, why am I not actioning those things today? Why am I waiting for some sort of fatal news to, to action them, mate? Do you, ever, do you ever not gamify that thought, but do you ever play around with that? You know what, David, I think it's a great word. I absolutely think it's a great word. And let's not, let's, I'm not going to sit here and apologize for it. Gamify mortality. Fucking gamify it. Because if that is what motivates you to have the best life ever, then fine. Um, and you know what? I, I absolutely, you know, that, that thought that you've had there is, is a similar one to what I have, where I actually, I think about my funeral. I don't think about it all the time, but I think about it probably once a month. And what I think about is I think about who's going to be there. And most importantly, what would those people say? What would the speeches be? What would the songs be? Would it be filled to the rafters or would it be sparse? How many people would turn up? And the, the thing for me is that if I look inside that, that, that church now and there's not enough people in there, I need to do more good. I need to put more into the world. And so it's totally okay. By the way, I love, by the way do you know what I love about this? I love, I love that this podcast, yes, this is good. This is helping me. It's helping others. But I love how I'm literally chatting to you on like a make-to-make basis and you're going to get stuff. It's like, totally pumping me because I've been where you are. Um, and I'm now 13 years down the road. So yeah, anyway, what I'm saying is um, think about your funeral, 100%. You know, I, I've, I've got a journal upstairs that no one has ever read, not even my fiance. She's not read it, but she knows where it is and she knows what, what, what it's called. And, and it's called Read at My Funeral by Chris Reeve. I've taken this to a whole new level, mate. And I've put in there um, things that I believe in. I've put in there people that I really like people that I really didn't like. I've put in there and um, I've dedicated pages to, to specific people that I feel very, very grateful for. Um, I've written, I've, I've written about the hardship of, of, of my mum and I put in a page dedicated to, to music and stuff like that as well. So um, what, what's going to happen is when I go, someone's going to pull that book out of my bedside table and they're going to read it for the first time. And do you know what? It's my last hurrah because it's going to make the funeral a whole lot more easy to organize. May I resonate so hard with that. I have played around with that thought. I used to design in my head a PowerPoint slide that would be like a PowerPoint video kind of animation that would be showed at my funeral. I never, I never want a funeral. I wanted a cel. I always envisaged a celebration of my life. But when did, but, but David, sorry to interrupt you. When did you have that thought for the first time? Do you remember? Was it before your mum died, or was it after your mum died? After my mum died. It's been, exactly. It, it was this year. Key point. Key point. Very key point. Very key point. And before you go, before you get on back on your flow again, mate. Remember adversity equals success people don't think about that shit until something bad happens sorry mate continue oh mate i i i can't i couldn't agree more um and like yeah i would pick the songs and i would show video footage of almost the come up in terms of the hardships the 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 highlights and i've had ex-girlfriends where it it did almost horribly but i would still dedicate slides to the times where i was extremely happy and I, i i but I guess alluding back to what you initially said about ha- having this funeral, 
Um, what my mum taught me, and, and not deliberately, was the 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 definition of love. And I learned that without receiving her life, I wouldn't know how to implement that or show that on others. And she also laid me indirectly with loads of values. And I don't treat that. I don't. I don't think that my mom is dead. I act like she still lives in with, within the values that I give on others every single day. So wow. when I picture my death, I don't picture, I picture my death in the same sense. I don't picture myself dying. I just picture myself living on in other people. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. May completely resonate to me, which is why it's upsetting me. I think, um, yeah, it's incredible. I, f- I feel the exact same way. Um, it's very much a case of, um, their their spirit lives on within you and they drive you in different ways and they make you think things and and you think what would mum say here and and quite often you and i was speaking to again another name drop sorry um i'm I'm really lucky to be friends with simon thomas who's quite a public quite public you know person a lot of people know him former sky sports news presenter now back on amazon again and his wife died very very suddenly of um of a, of, a, of a form of blood cancer is really horrible. Like, you know, barely had the time to say goodbye. And I was um, at a party with him and um, we'd both probably had a bit too much to drink. And I went up to him and I said, do you know what, Simon? Cause he actually, cause his young boy, he was like, Chris, what do I do? You know, with Ethan, you know, how, what do I do? What, who do I talk to? How do I, how do I manage this? You know, what did you think at that point? Cause Ethan was, a, you know, even younger than me. And I just said, it's really interesting because now they're, now they're dead you um they, they become angelic and what i mean by that is they you you don't view it in a sad way all the time and that's okay you know quite often it's it's very much this yeah mum taught me that yeah mum taught me that oh yeah this is what mum would do and so i totally agree with what you're saying totally agree um whilst you whilst you ask me the next question david i'll, I'll get up a quote i've got a quote doc on my phone full of stuff to help me when i need it and it's one to do with parents' spirit living within you forever. But you can carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What you just said there completely resonates with me in the sense, I know people like uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos use a thing called a single guiding principle. For example, Jeff Bezos is, will, will this implementation of whatever opportunity is, will it increase customer experience? If the answer is yes, he will do it at no matter what cost. And Elon Musk yeah. says, as, "Will, will this get me closer to Mars?" And if no matter at what cost, if it says yes, he will implement it. Yeah, and love it. My single guiding principle is: what would, how would Mum feel if I told her this news that I implemented this thing or said yes to this opportunity? Really good, and it yeah. serves me so Great. so well. Yeah, it will do, mate. It will. Um, that's the thing. Like, but, but people don't realize this. You know, they think, and you know, this is going to sound really weird. They think it's all doom and gloom, mate. I'm, I'm blessed to have the journey that I've had. You know, because honestly, the years that I've had without her have been so. Like, I don't. Well, it's. You know what? It's not even a thing. I know I would not be where I am now had she not gone. And I actually think that she is making all of this happen in a funny sort of way because her spirits within me, her drive, her motivation. You know. My mum was a very successful woman, or at least I like to think anyway, but I thought she was. She worked for an American company called Henry Shine selling dental equipment. Um, she traveled a lot 
Um, she made a million pound in sales for the company before before she passed. So she obviously was a very good saleswoman, which is perhaps why I've, I've got that within me. Um, you know, and it's great. You know, I love all that, mate. I've not got my wallet on me now, but, you know, I've, I've got her business card, which I'm so lucky to have still. And, you know, it's that sort of thing that people don't realize. Other people, they don't have that power. And that business card, I look at it, and it's like it's like an injection of the 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 strongest caffeine possible for me honestly and but it but it takes you a while to get to that point and i and i and again just to bring this back down to earth if anyone's listening to this that, that's that's just been hit with serious grief like yourself david you know don't look at that and go bloody hell how do i get there because i'm 13 years down the road it takes time you know literally a decade before you can start i think thinking like that um so yeah just wanted to share that segment there my version that's so powerful mate. i'm so glad you shared that with me uh it really hit me hard when you spoke about the the business card in your wallet and my version of that and like you said it's a complete caffeine hit is i have this one song that i listen to and wow. it's um you may have heard it you might not have heard it. it's big sean but it's called one man can change the world and it's very it's like a piano ballad with some rap over it but the lyrics hit me really hard and what hits me incredibly hard is the end is like a voicemail from his gran she sounds so similar to my mum and it's like a positive oh, affirmation wow. at the end and every time like, I struggled to li- I didn't listen to it for so long until I needed it first I had an exam oh, I had my last accountancy exam this year become qualified and I listened to it right before and I was walking to the exam center literally in tears but like t- t- in tears that I was ready to smash this exam during COVID it's so brave for me to say this but 2020 has been the best year of my life and I always live year to year saying next year will be the best year of my life and I can firmly say that 2020 is the best year of my life. Like at my work, I created a social enterprise, or like a, almost like a social enterprise, a, a network called the Scottish Social Mobility Network. I come from a really deprived background and I've been blessed to have or find opportunities that have trajected me, but not, I know everyone from my background don't receive that. And when my mum passed away, I tripled, quadrupled down on that and ended up being recognised by... Um, BPP is Apprentice of the Year in the UK across all industries. And, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but this is only because of my mum passing. Um, it gave me that perspective and that drive and that, that dopamine slash caffeine hit. And I'm so glad you shared your story with me as well, mate. It's, it's great to hear that um, we interlinked on that and it's, it's a common theme. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right, mate. You're totally right. It's, yeah, it is, it is motivation. It's fuel to the fire. It, it really is. Um, and I'm absolutely not, I'm not surprised in the slightest that you've excelled this year in any way, shape or form. And, you know, again, and one of the things that, that, that people, you know, uh, I'm the same, like every year needs to be better. It has to be better. It will be better, actually. That's better terminology. It will always be better. Um, you know, setting targets, setting affirmations, you know, things that I never did before because of, um, you know, because of what's happened. So yeah, mate, it's a very good point. Thanks, mate. A quite sadistic question. Well, I deem it sadistic is um, my mum passed away suddenly. There was no anticipation for it. It happened suddenly. But I understand that your mum passed after a, a prolonged period of perhaps acceptance. I don't want to ask this as a question. Whether would you rather it happened instantly or with this anticipation period? But how did that anticipation period prior to your mum's death help your acceptance period post death? If you don't mind me asking. 
I don't mind you asking at all. It's fine. It's really, really healthy to be open about these things. I, you know, I, I've met loads of people since where, you know, as I've said there, Simon Thomas, you know, wife's gone in three days, you know, it's quick, it's sudden, you know, one of my good friends, Max recently, um, I won't talk about the circumstances because that's unfair, but you know, his mum passed um, without him saying goodbye. And I think there's different perspectives and, and ways to, to look at it. I think if, if someone's got, uh, if someone's got a year left or you don't really know if someone's got two weeks you might think great lovely jubbly um I've got the chance to say goodbye um but to be very selfless about this and put your put your head in the shoes of the person that's passing away imagine imagine knowing that you're going to slip away into the night um and placing your trust in other people to do what you want them to do and I speak from experience there that that's not what happened to me. So my mum trusted people that she thought were, you know, good enough to to do the job and they weren't good enough to do, to, to, to do the job. And there's all sorts of complications with wills. There's all sorts of complications with, you know, just all sorts, mate. Like, you know, because my mum knew she was going to die, she got married to my now stepdad, um, you know, very suddenly. My stepdad was only on the scene um, for a year, and I think like eight of those months she had cancer. Um, and yet, when she passed away, I, I go to the grave now, and it says Anne, Anne Margaret Balaam and not Anne Margaret Reeve, but everyone knows as a, as a Reeve. But she got married last minute to avoid capital gains tax, which was the right thing to do to try and help me and my brother, Dan. But emotionally, it's an absolute shitstorm. And so actually, if it, if it happens suddenly, yes, it's horrible. It really is horrible. But there's, there's, there's positives and negatives to both. And let's say positives really gently, by the way. There are positives and negatives to both. Um, speaking of music, there's, um, there's a song from... Um, a band called Mumpin and Sons. And I'm actually more into house music, to be honest with you, but I absolutely love Mumpin and Sons and, and Coldplay too. Um, both fairly emotional in terms of their lyrics and stuff and probably what the reason why I like them. And Mumpin and Sons have got a song called Beloved. Beloved, um, And it's on YouTube, obviously. Search it. And, and watch the video. And you need to watch this tonight, David, especially you, because it's actually, it's, it's basically a story of the kid probably is between... 10 and 14 and the music video is literally him being with his mum but the mum is in her dressing gown and the, her sorry her hospital gown because she knows that she's going to die and you see the mum follow the boy around all around so they, they, they go running outside they ride horses and all this stuff yeah but then she dies so the kid knows that his mum's going to die so it's 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 equally as traumatic and I think it's it's really important and I'm pleased you answered this question because sometimes people think that and it kind of frustrates me actually I think people think that it, it was better it was sorry bet not better people think it was easier for me because I knew she was going but I would argue that it was probably equally as bad but you know you, you have to place a tremendous amount of empathy around this subject you know not you know one person's journey is completely different to another you know I'm so blessed and lucky that you know I've got you know the most amazing um, dad that, that that's my best mate that supported me through that process and um, shortly after um, my mum died a few years after I met the love of my life who's been there for me for, for ages 
And so if I didn't have that, I would have fallen over. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. But so, so to answer your question, you know, is it, is it better? No, it's not. It's, it's equally as horrendous. It really is equally as horrendous. There's no, there's no right or wrong or how to, or blueprint to, to, to death, to grieving, to dying. But what's important is let's, I would actually change that question. Um, and I, and I would, and I would straight away not focus on it. And I would actually flip that to let's, let's, let's stop talking about the, the best way to go. Cause there ain't, it's, it's fucking awful for all of us. Right. So, so actually let's just focus on trying to make the most of how we are now. Like, do you ever get this feeling, right? This is a really, really light way of saying it, right? When you've got, a, when you've got a cold, yeah. The common cold, basic thing. Yeah. When you've got it, and you're full of sniffles, you've like got a really sore throat. And afterwards, when it's gone, you're like, sorry, whilst you've got it, you're like, oh, bloody hell, what was it like to breathe? Yeah. I miss breathing freely. And then once it's gone, you don't even realise. And so what I would try and do is try and lift that up to a real intense, higher level. And that's how people should be thinking. They should be thinking. And this is why, you know, I've got a document on my phone, which is a gratitude journal, written about all the things that I'm grateful for. For example, I've got a roof over my head got a girlfriend i've got two beautiful cats i support the best team in the world Norwich city football club and you know all all of those things that i'm grateful for and but people don't think about that so you know um there's a french term that i love called jour de de voir i think it's pronounced which is the joy of life people forget about that um it's because they've got a lack of gratitude and a lack of perspective that was really long-winded and that probably didn't answer your original question but there you go (laughs) no no mate it's absolutely value-packed and gratitude is is one of the main pivots in my life and going back to that uh, analogy of having a cold not knowing what it's like not to have a cold and vice versa it's like it's like being in winter and not remembering what summer is like I, I experience i have that mindset as well and what i i've mentioned on another podcast i refer that to as maps and terrain maps gratitude and terrain gratitude so a map is a high level view a terrain level view is in a tangible in the moment view of the landscape. Yeah. So maps gratitude is where you're writing gratitude notes from the comfort of your home, where you're not experiencing the things that you're, you're avoiding, for example, poverty or mm. hunger or not having a roof over your head because you're sitting in the comforts, the warm comforts of your bedroom. Terrain level yeah. gratitude is if you were to walk through a hospital ward and see people at the brink of death yeah. or go through slums right. where people are starving. And I, actively look for that terrain level view of 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 hardship so then i can when i do go back to my my maps level i can write from a terrain level view perspective so good so good david you know and and actually what you're leaking into there is perspective because i go and hunt perspective and one of the things you know people message me all the time because i'm quite open about this subject because i want to help and they say chris what what do i do And and i'd say you know what have you got going on in your world? And it's pretty cushy. And I say, you know what? You need to go and hunt perspective as soon as possible. And one of the best things I did, well, actually, first of all, a really light thing was probably one of the best conversations I've had in the last 10 years. I was going to a, um, a, uh, a music gig, uh, well, a, a session in Manchester, shall we say. 
um, <laughs> a session in Manchester, um, uh, which was incredible, called the Warehouse Project. House yeah, music, yeah. everything was amazing, and it was, I was with the boys, and you know, it was, it was a big epic moment. You know, we got it signed off from our girlfriends that we were on this train journey. <laughs> we were there, and we were sitting down. And I looked to my left, and there was an old lady sitting on her own, and uh, she was she had that, and before that, sorry, she actually was struggling to put her uh, her luggage up up top. So I grabbed it and I put it up top for her. And I don't know why I did this, but I just, it, I just started talking to her. Like I just introduced myself. It was perhaps the, the, the laddie hormones of confidence that I had over on the right hand side that I just brought into this random conversation with this old woman. And she must have been a good, a good 86, 87, not, you know, old, 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 but old enough. Yeah. And I said to her, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but talk to me about your life and tell me what, what are your biggest regrets and tell me if you could go backwards, what would you do differently? And she said what you would completely expect the answer to be. She said, I wish I'd taken more risks at a young age in terms of going for, for, for jobs, going things for out of the comfort zone. She said, I wish that I'd just spent more time with my family. Yeah. And I wish that I'd focused on things that actually matter, which is just time with loved ones. Like, because you can't get that back. It's done. It's gone. And material things is just a nonsense. I had a conversation actually um, with my missus the other day. She was like, no, now you've got a business and you're doing so well, Chris. Why don't you, why don't you, do you fancy a Range Rover one day? And I went, what's the point? Because it's just, it's just impressing the types of people that I don't want to impress. And it just means nothing. No one's going to remember that I had a Range when I was 27 um, when I pop my clogs and hopefully a few years to come, it's, it's just pointless. Um, so I've lost my train of thought there. Um, no, that was it. Perspective. So asking the old lady what she regretted and here's a, ta here's a takeaway for anyone watching or listening to this. If you get the opportunity to volunteer in an old people's home, do it. Yeah. And you'll think, oh, bloody hell, really? You know, they, you know, they smell a bit. They're not really with it anymore. And honestly, it will just, again, it will give you that injection of perspective and gratitude that will give you some of what I think David and I think it's fair to say that, you know, we've got that in terms of our adversity because we now know that it's so amazing being alive because if not, you're brown bread. And, and then a, bit, a better example of hunting perspective, and I didn't intentionally do this, but I, again, you know, having self-psychology was great. Um, getting involved in that in terms of an actual paid training course was incredible. But the other thing was, I um I de I decided to to take a, as because my mum died I was more willing to take risks because nothing really mattered anymore, so I packed my bags and I went on a trip to Zambia with um, some friends from high school and looking back at it now, ropey as fuck, David. Honestly, it was so dodgy, like so dodgy. Uh, it wasn't properly organised. We stayed in a nunnery that was, I'm not even sure whether it was arranged properly. There was no sort of deposits or anything. It was all up in the air. Um, and when I went to Zambia, again, I, I saw true hardship and perspective. And again, I just really want to encourage people to go out and, and go and try things and, and go and hunt perspective or hunt gratitude, as you've said, David. I'll tell you a very quick story. I know that we're, we're going on now, but it's really important. Another light bulb moment for me was an actually an incredibly powerful moment in my life. One of the most powerful moments in my entire life was 
And actually, this was probably, again, another reason why it became motivation and I felt okay about what happened to my mum. I felt not alone. So we had two security guards in Zambia, one called, uh, one called Webby um, and one called Michael. They were, they were both only 17 and 18 years old. Yeah, exactly. You're not allowed out at night, all of that stuff. Anyway, got to the end of our trip. Uh, I won't tell you about all the trip. We held out at an orphanage in a local school and saw everything, you know, everything. Now, it was, it was, uh, it was Webby's birthday right on the last day. So we decided that we were going to, you know, give him a birthday party. And what happened is we all kind of gathered around um, and we, we'd got some stuff. So I'd, I'd bought over loads of Norwich shirts. So I gave him a Norwich shirt. Um, loads of people gave him some clothes and then I thought oh actually hang on a minute guys I just need to go and get something and I got um I got my my iPod Nano do you remember the Nanos with the the exactly mate classic um and my mate grabbed his headphones and my other mate grabbed his charger and we decided to give him the iPod Nano right now this iPod Nano was the last thing my mum gave me before. That was her last present. It was my last Christmas present for my mum. I gave it to Webby, right? Because I wanted to, but it got better. I thought that was going to be good enough, but the story intensifies. So we gather around, we sing happy birthday to him. He bursts into tears. And I looked at him, I went, maybe it's a bit intense, but I'm not sure if, I don't know why you, what, you know, why are you upset with me? We said to him, you know, what's, what's up? And he said, I've not celebrated um, my birthday properly um, since I was like, I think he said six or eight, or eight years old. I can't remember. This is, I think it was like six or eight years old um, because both his mum and his dad died. So he didn't have a mum or a dad and he hadn't celebrated his birthday. And now he's 18 and we've sung happy birthday to him and given him an iPod Nano and just the, and at that point, the stars just collided for me. And it was just this, this fucking intense moment of just, it just like everything made sense at that point. And I know it's horrible because for Webby, it was horrible. But he was, oh, well, it was lovely because he was very grateful for the presence. But for me, selfishly, I got that perspective. And at that point, I, I truly learned. And people say this all the time. Someone's always got it worse than you. I can bloody assure you someone has always got it worse than you so the moral of the story is go and hunt if you're going through adversity go and hunt perspective i i absolutely love that story like i was just i was i had to change the mic just to grip onto something because it was so gripping you you may have seen in the video footage (laughs) uh that that was an emotional roller coaster listen to that chris and um what rings a bell with me is that i if i am demotivated or feeling a bit um a bit in despair. I have three tasks that I complete and it ties in nicely with what you said. The first one is, you remember during lockdown, everyone was doing like five kilometer challenges, right? I used to often run down the beach. I live right on the west coast of Scotland and in Presswick Beach, my hometown. No matter what time of day, if I run past Presswick Beach, I'll always see either a very old person or perhaps someone with a disability. And they always look at me the same. They look at me like, I wish I was him. I wish I could run like him. Wow. And as soon as I see that, I realize how lucky I am. That's the first task. The second task is, 
there's a book called The Forgotten Highlander. Have you have you read it? No. So it's essentially I'm trying to keep this brief. It's a biography of a World War II veteran from Scotland who essentially was uh, he was enrolled in the army, had to go to Singapore, where he was taken as a prisoner of war, made to work on what they called death railway, where they where they had to walk. I think it was like 300 miles uh, whilst being punished by Japanese guard, guards to then cre- create their own accommodation out of mud and sticks and then work on a railway with no equipment but just boulders and cast iron. They received or they suffered from every tropical disease, tropical ulcers, malaria, dysentery, all that stuff. And then they were forced to work on the bridge of the River Kwai and then was captured, put on a prisoner of war ship where the, I'm not sure what the buses are like down your way, but do you, not, do you know that way where you stand on a bus and you're holding, you're holding the handles above they're you? Not like, I'll tell you what, they're not like, they're not like the bone shakers in Scotland, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the bone shakers in Scotland, you're packed like sardines in the school run, holding onto handles above your head with no, no room to move. And that's what the prisoner of warship was like. No food, you were basically shitting standing up. Then that slave boat was torpedoed. And then he survived on a raft in the sea for five days by himself, then got captured again, t- took him to Nagasaki, the, the power plant. Then the Americans blew that up. And then he suffered from radiation to then come back to Scotland with all that history being wiped under the carpet so Japan could continue trade deals with the UK. So when I feel really low, I just read a page, any page of that one book. Because I'm like, yeah, right, okay, my life's not too bad. I can go back to work. And the third thing <laughs> I do is I talk to my dad, who's a, fo- he's a, he's a veteran. Uh, he was involved in the Chelsea Bridge, what's called the Ebury Bridge Road terror attack, where he saved a life, wow. a, he saved lives, and a boy literally died in my dad's arms. Uh, and he was in the Falklands War, where he had to literally piss on his feet to keep them warm in the snow and the ice. Wow. I just, I, I just ask him to tell me a story. Those are the three things that I, I use as my uh, gratitude or perspective mechanisms. Uh, and and to, and to move forward in this, I want to move or reflect back on your career, mate. How important are your creative outlets? For example, Reeve Social and TNC podcast for managing your well-being. Yeah, massively. Like, um, I actually, I would maybe change that creativity to areas where you're able to be free. I think that's that's really good. So, creativity or, or, or freedom, are, I think one of the one of the same thing actually. And um, I've learned a lot of this recently. I've I've managed. I've I've engaged and made great friends with a guy called with a guy called Sam Caps, who's who's very in touch with um the the spiritual side of life and um you know researches it relentlessly and very very into it and and before i do the career bit this week on wednesday uh sam says to me right chris wednesday morning 5:45 you're leaving your house and you're driving to the beach and you're going to meet me at the beach and we're going to go on a 5k run on the beach in the black in pitch black and then we're going to go and have a dip in the sea in the freezing cold sea and i went okay and i said okay and i did it um and i i cannot begin to say to tell you how rewarding that it was horrendous at the time that that real intense uh numbing tingling because the cold the cold war was so cold i probably was getting early stages of hypothermia we were only in there for two minutes just to clarify don't go in there for any longer than that 
especially in Scotland. In Scotland, it only needs to be 10 seconds. Um, no, so anyway, so I went in there, and but, but the power of that in that moment was I wasn't thinking about the fucking pandemic. I wasn't thinking about the fact that my mum died. I wasn't thinking about the stresses of, of running a business, of um, some of my friendships. and related. I wasn't thinking about any stress. All I was thinking about was about keeping warm. And so the point of me telling that story of what happened this week was it's important to find those creative outlets, those outlets of freedom where you don't think about the shit, right? That's really important. A lot of people get this with the gym. A lot of people get this with running, swimming, cycling. And so you need to find your thing. So to answer your question, in terms of like my outlets, in terms of talk neuroticity, it's great. It's so good for me because I'm able to, I'm able to just chat nonsense about the football. And when I'm chatting nonsense about football for two hours sometimes on our, on our watch along, I'm not for once thinking about any of the any of the challenges or, or issues in my life. So I, I think it's really important that that people find their thing of it within that section, David. Yeah. I'm so happy that you found that thing, Chris. And to allude back to your original point about the cold water therapy almost and the 5K run, that is exactly what I implemented when my mum passed away. And it relates to, I think the theme of this chat today is perspective because when I used to run a 5K, it was, I did it in the summer to be fair, so it was far, far, far warmer than when you were doing it, Chris. So I admire you for that. But I used to do it in, in the blazing sun in the morning, but it's not as early as you, mate, 6 a.m. I'd run a 5K and a 5K is one mentally exhaustive and two physically exhaustive so if you can literally flatline or hit the red in the in the speedometer uh and first thing in the morning and almost reach your full potential of exertion the rest of your day is in perspective like an email won't challenge you the same yeah yeah love it love it same with cold water therapy if you jump and you 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 feel that instant thrill of cold water and you can accept it and you can overcome it, then you can overcome a nasty email or a comment on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Hey, hey, exactly. Look, I've got this on my desk and it stares at me and it's a picture of my, oh, hang on a minute. It's a picture of my mum and my brother when he was young. He's now in Australia and a younger Chris Reeve and she was very religious as well. So I look at this and again, I'm literally, I'm writing an email and if the email is like, God, this is challenging. I look to my left and I think it's not as challenging as that. And then I easily do the email. Mate, that is beautiful. I'm so glad you shared that with me. Uh, to digress onto another social media-esque topic. Social media is often branded as toxic or can be, can be synonymous with hate culture. Um, but how does Reeve Social navigate doing good in an industry that is often labelled the opposite, opposite sorry? Yeah, well, for, well, first of all, I, I know the exact reasons and, and totally understand and empathize why there is a stigma around social media. And um, what I would say is there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time moaning on it. And I would encourage the people that are moaning on it to be the change they want to see and start pumping some positivity into the room, um, which is what I try and spend as much of my time you know, doing. Um, that's really important. Um, in terms of like my, my business, I, I don't focus on, on vanity metrics and I say this to my customers up front. So when they come along, if a customer says to me, I want to increase my followers by 10,000 by the end of the year, I'll say, you're not, you're not the company for me. And people go, what, what do you mean? You're not, what? And I'm like, no, 
because it's, it's, vani- it's vanity metrics. It doesn't mean, followers don't mean anything. What means something is someone buying, that's different. Yeah, a click through to the website, which equals a sale. Of course, that's valuable, but I ain't going to be focusing on followers and likes. It's just, it, it's literally just the whole thing is kind of like, it's just, it's kind of like gambling. It's obviously, it's, a bit, it's, it's extremely addictive. Um, and yeah, so, so to try and answer your question, how does ReSocial navigate that? I only work with people and businesses that genuinely care about helping people from, you know, for example, a, a legal tech company in Scotland called Insight Legal. You know, they, they want to supply the best legal software and they want to help people. They're not doing it to make tons of money, yeah? Because that's the right, that's, that's not a mission. That's not a mission in 2020. It's not going to be a mission in 2021. And I hope that this changes now, that people stop focusing on vanity and materialistic items and money and they start having a valuable mission. So Reeve Social Media only works with people that are, well, I, I call it masters of their craft. Um, so they don't have the, 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 the time to do it, but they're so good at what they do. Um, but also it's so important that they're putting some good into the world. And so that, that's, that's, that's how my social media agency works. I'm sure I've mentioned her to you before, but my first guest on the podcast, Jen Pemberton, a lifelong mentor of mine, has a social enterprise. And her mantra is purpose before profit. Because inherently, if you put purpose before profit, you will drive profit. It's depth, yes. not width, right? Love it. Totally agree. So to segue on to the topic of TNC or Top Norwich City, how do you control being in the limelight in front of fans who are typically bullish, perhaps alpha, ruthless, and perhaps sometimes even anonymous? How do you navigate the potential hate that you receive? Before I finish up, I know you're a massive fan of Gary V and you, you're an advocate of killing them with kindness. I know he uses that yeah. too. Please share your thoughts. I got it from him. That's why. <laughs> I got it from him. That's why. Um, yeah, very, very privileged to have met Gary V. By the way, have you? Absolutely incredible guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible guy. Like absolutely incredible. I'll try and find a picture for you now whilst the talk. Um, yeah, I've met, I've met, I've met Gary. Um, and again, I spoke to him about my mum, and I said thank you because you know it's been you know your motivation and the way that you've been talking and some of your lessons about trolls and stuff has really helped me. So thanks, Gary. And he was, he was a top man. Um, anyway, hang on, look, let's not get distracted. What was the original question, David? Sorry. It was the original question and it's my bad for digressing, but on the topic of TNC, how do you control oh, being trolls. in the limelight in front of ruthless fans? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so t- football is a testosterone driven, um, beer belly bloke sport. <laughs> let's, let's not be around the booth. It, it, it is and um i think what's happened now you know when we first started all those years ago people don't really, didn't really know how to respond to it they kind of were like hang on what your opinion's worthless because you're just a fan you're not a journalist you're not a former footballer and so there was a massive massive um it was a massive challenge for myself and my best mate jack who, who i who i run the channel with to actually overcome that and we were relentlessly trolled. We we still are, to be honest with you. But we're kind of we we are we're able to cope with it now because it's not so many now because people have grown up. If that makes sense, you're very right. People have anonymous accounts. It's it, Twitter. It, it's extremely toxic. Um, football Twitter. Um, 
I'm sure any football fan would agree with that. Um, so yeah. So how, how do I how do I handle it? Um, again, like it's really important that I mean you've touched upon it there. I always say this: kill them with kindness, but most importantly, show them empathy because someone that is, you know, trying to dig you out or make a snidey remark online is is actually really suffering, really suffering. Because again, we we know you know because of what's happened to us. What's it bloody worth? What is it honestly worth? trying to pull someone out because of a spelling mistake or because of what they say or because of what they do on social media. Like if, if they're happy, as long as it's not absolutely outrageous, like, you know, Donald Trump style, you know, you know, it's just, I think people are completely unaware of the story behind the profile picture. They see the profile picture, they see the numbers and they do that with me, to be fair. People look at my Instagram account or my Twitter account and they think, oh, Chris has got it so good, isn't he? Yeah, he's great for him, isn't it? Yeah, he gets all of these influence deals and yeah, he's, yeah, he's obviously like hanging around with the footballers, blah, 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 blah. They don't realise the fucking pain that I've been through. Um, they honestly don't. And I'm talking years of constant abuse, daily abuse, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere I turn to online, there was someone saying something bad about me, online forums, everywhere. And it was because, because of what happened to my mum, I'm confident because nothing matters anymore. So I'm putting my opinion out, but because people don't agree with my opinion on the game, that was then turning personal. It was really horrible. So to be honest with you, I didn't cope with it at the time. Our channel grew and grew and grew, and I, I wasn't coping with it. And there's been multiple times where, you know, Jack and I have been on the edge of saying, fuck this for a game of shit soldiers. Why are we doing this? But luckily for me, um, he's also been through similar adversity, losing his dad, which is why we're best mates. And we are like, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're not giving up just yet. And as a consequence of that, the podcast is blown up. You know, we've interviewed some, you know, incredible people around the world of football and, um, you know, spoken to current players and everything. So yeah, it's, it's incredible, um, but I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't affect me anymore because it does. You know, and, and actually, I, I very, very recently interviewed a former Norwich and Leicester player called Darren Eady. And he, he said that when he was playing for Leicester, he'd be playing in front of 40,000 people um, and they'd all be chanting his name. But he would remember the one that called him a wanker. But what does it matter? Because 40,000 people are chanting your name, but he'd remember the one that called him happy. And, and he's a professional footballer. And I thought that was really fascinating. And that, that, that affects everyone online. If you put something out there, for example, this podcast, if you put this podcast out, David, and five people say, oh, that was absolutely amazing. Loved it, got loads of value. But one person said, Chris is an absolute knob. That you'll think that that comment will manifest. And that's social media for you. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think that it's, it's, it's greater than social media. It's human nature. So the way I would personify that or bring that to life is envisage winning £50 and then envisage losing £50 or £1,000. The neurological or emotional intensity of winning 50 or £1,000 is far less great than losing it. If you won it, you'd be like, okay, I won £1,000 or £50 and maybe within a day you would move past it. But if you lost... 50 or a thousand pounds you would probably think about it for a few weeks uh but i mean honestly i really appreciate your resilience on on how you respond to hate culture or hate on on tnc i have quite uh, as you know i have a small account but i received my first 
or not, I wouldn't even call it hate, but my first message of, I'm not even going to use constructive criticism because it wasn't, it was borderline hate. And I had yeah. to use that decision tree. Would my response honor my mum's legacy? Because I was about to slam the keyboard and give it a, a, a right grape. And then I had to go to that decision tree and realize that I should show empathy because essentially I shared a, I shared the six minute diary. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Do you use it? Have you heard of it? It's like a, a gratitude journal. Nice. Um, so, so someone slammed the keyboards back to me and said, where's the neurological proof? Where's this case studies that this shit works? And I had to respond in a way that was intrinsic to me. I said, I had to just, dem- I had to display that it has helped me. There is, there, perhaps there's no statistical evidence, but there is emotional evidence in my own experience. It's not all logical. David, pause on that a minute. That's really important as well. Every, the, every human is homed in on negativity, but also every human naturally because of their education is homed in on, on the logical side of life, not the emotional side. And so, yeah, it's really important to be aware of that as well. Sorry, mate. No, 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 no. And I love um, another mantra I live by is create magic, not logic. So when I responded to her, I had to understand that she has probably tried this one resource or a similar resource and it's not worked for her and she's probably not in a good place at the moment. And that's why I responded without hate or without criticism. I just let them know that I'm in a much better place because of this one technique. And I know we're going off on a tangent here, but one question that's been... I've been burning with what's well, been burning inside me to ask you, right? Is is you've been dealing with grief since 2007 or 13 years now. What advice would you give to 2007 Chris Reeve who's just lost his mum? Oh, bloody hell, mate. What a question that is. Oh, blimey. Um, I would say to him, you're enough as you are that's really important i think there's this constant feeling of you're not good enough and you are less than others because you're one nil down because you've lost your mum at that point you're thinking you're one nil down you don't realize that now i've gone on to win five or six one yeah but you're not thinking about that score line at that point you're one nil down you're one nil and you're you're fucked you've had a man sent off literally right or or, or a woman sent off in my case um and so you're thinking you want to nil down. So I would say to, to a 14-year-old Chris Reeve, you, you are enough as you are and it'll be okay. Um, you have absolutely no concept of time's the healer. People say that to you, oh, time's a healer. It, it really is. Like I'm, I'm living testimony to that. Like it really is a healer. Um, so I would say that. I'd really, really hone in on that. And I would definitely say to, to Chris now, pick up a self-psychology book, learn about the way you're thinking. Um, and something that my best mate, Jack, who I do TNC with, said to me is if he could go backwards, one of the things that he would do is he would allow himself to feel it. And he said this, he said, you know, when you're going through adversity, people cover up their feelings, not just to other people, to themselves. For example, there'll be times, David, over the coming months, weeks, years, maybe even today, you'll feel angry. And you'll say, you'll say to yourself, no, 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 I can't be angry. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not angry. But you want to be angry. angry because you lost your mum and that's okay. There'll be some days where you're like, you'll be thinking about the spirit within you and you'll be really happy. And you'll tell yourself, why am I happy about my mum being, why am I happy that my mum's passed away? And you've got to remember and allow yourself to 
feel emotion as well as talk about it. So don't cover up that emotion. If you want to cry, cry. Yeah, it's 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 the right thing to do. You know, and I just and I and I totally allow myself to do that now. And that's what I tell to my fourteen-year-old self. Chris, I wish I reframed that question to not what would you ask two thousand and seven, Chris. I wish I reframed that to what would you what would you tell me because the exact thing that you said there is the thing that I struggle with most. And I told you before we joined this call that my mom died in February and the first time that I've cried, I've probably cried 10 minutes in total. Not that it's a statistic, but I probably cried 10 minutes in total when my mom passed away. And I cried for the first time last week. And it was when I read her Facebook messages to me. I had locked them away and they were along the lines of, well, there was two. There's two themes. One was her absolute love to me. So I used to travel for training for work to London quite a lot. When I was there over the course of a week, she wasn't understanding when I was coming home. So every day she would message me, are you coming home tonight? And I'd be like, no, mom, it's another night. I'm coming home tomorrow. And she would be so disappointed in her messages. And then the one day where I would be coming home, she would send numerous gifts and little emojis saying, yippee, yippee. And she was so over the moon. And it made me feel so warm and loved. And I want to demonstrate that in others. And the second theme is, my mom was vastly unemployed. Uh, not because she was lazy, just because she looked after us for numerous years and she was an older woman. And she just wanted to clean floors. That, that, that's all she wanted to do is clean floors or have one of the five C jobs, cleaning, catering, an unskilled job. She just wanted purpose. So I read a message. So growing up, I, I applied for jobs from her because she's not computer literate from maybe 13 to 20. Every single day I would apply for a job online for her. And every single day she would be knocked back from a cleaning job. Imagine not being good enough to clean floors. And I had to deliver that message every single day. I'm getting quite emotional here talking about it, but there was one day in particular where she was given an interview and then a successful job role. And the one message that stood out to me was, the man offered me a job. I'm so glad to have my self-esteem back. So every day at work, I am grateful to be working. She just wanted a job. All my colleagues complain about so having good. a job. So good. so good. And the so advantage good. I have is I know how my mom felt about having a job. Mate, it's incredible. It's so good. And see, good, feel it. It's really healthy. And, and again, let me inject some perspective into you, Sunshine. I've not got any of that. I've not got any messages. I've not got any video. I've got literally no, I've got, I've got nothing. I've literally got a piece of paper with her supposed will. So, you know, those messages, screenshot them, save them, print them, put them fucking everywhere. Don't lose them, mate. That's gold. That's gold, David. Like that's so bloody powerful. That is just the most incredible thing. I long for something like that. It hurts me that I don't. So that's incredible. And, I think in terms of the the thing that you very, very bravely opened up there about not crying, I remember a real, real big moment for me. Um, God, we're going to have to wrap up in a minute, mate. Uh, but, but, but I remember a real key moment for me, which, um, and I remember my parents, my, my dad and um, my stepmom, Fran, who's, who's from Glasgow in Scotland, she, they, they couldn't really believe it. But basically my mum came round, and obviously I remember this moment. My mum came round to tell us that she she had two weeks to live. Now, 
fucking hell could you imagine that sort of conversation and i can tell you i remember it i remember the time stopping i remember everything but she 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 delivered the news that mum's not going to be around anymore that's how she said it um and i remember and i i really feel quite to be honest to be quite uncomfortable talking about it but i i remember i, I didn't look at i couldn't look her in the eye i looked I looked out the. I remember I looked out the window and I stared out the window. I stared out the window and I stared out the window. Nothing, not a tear, not emotion, not a word, nothing. And Dad said, "Don't you want to go and hug your mum?" And I said, and I didn't say anything, and I just left the house and I went and sat on the car park floor, and I just sat there and I just looked up at the sky, I just emotionless. So it's okay, mate. You know, some, some days you'll, some days you'll want to cry. Some days you won't, but give yourself the space to do that. Like I go and visit mum at the grave and, and, you know, I have a chat and I cry. That's my moment to do it. So you need to find your moment to do it. It's really important that you do that. Yes. I've got one final question I want to leave on. And it's not a question that I want to open for discussion. It's a question that I want your guidance on almost. So, Every day in my gratitude journal, I write a positive affirmation, which is, I will be recognized by society from a wider impact on community. I will leave a legacy that's unique and concrete. And that's, that's the fully actualized version of myself that I write down every day. Mm-hmm. But I recently recent received news is as a result of my, my charitable work, my organization that I work for, and because of my transparency within work, because I, I deliver webinars on my story, I've been elected to chat with the Queen next Wednesday and tell my story to her. Fuck off. You ha- you're joking me. With the chairman of my company, me, him and a couple partners, are in a Zoom meeting with the Queen, where I'll be in conversation with her. Mate, that shit doesn't happen. That's so good. <sighs> yeah, but what I'm struggling with is the one person that I want to tell about that, the one person that, the only person I want to tell about that is is no longer here. How do you manage yeah. that? Um, oh, bloody hell. Mate, I've got it with my wedding because um, my mum's not going to be there. I have this thing called the empty chair and you're about to have this as well. Um, there'll always be now an empty chair at my birthday party. There'll be an empty chair at the, at the Christmas dinner table this year. There'll be an empty chair at the wedding. The best day of my life, there'll be an empty chair. And so you're going to have that. And mate, there's no, there's absolutely no solution. You've just got to just ride the wave. But what I would say is you've got to think about how she'd feel after it. Um, and, and, and actually you don't, you, she'll make, she'll be watching on a, she'll be watching on a projector up there with my mum, probably with a glass of Pinot. So you don't need to be. So you don't need to be worried about her not being there because she's watching, mate. She is watching with with my mum, um, mate. Incredible achievement. And again, like, mate. Again, see, if that hadn't happened, you don't speak and, to me. Yeah. <laughs> the only self-diagnosed guidance I have here is, and it makes this conversation so full circle, is that like i said my mum still lives on within me so it's not yep. me meeting the queen my mum's meeting the queen fucking love it mate so it. chris to tie a knot in this absolute emotional roller coaster of a chat i'm so grateful i'm so appreciative i think i love you man where where can the people find you where can the people find you mate 
I love you too, David. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm, Chris, I'm Chris Revo on Instagram. Uh, my business is Reeve, R-W-E-V-E, social on Instagram. Um, but yeah, just hit, just hit me up on Instagram. If anyone's got any questions anytime, I'll, I'll happily, happily answer. A lot of people uh, are quite shocked that I respond for some weird reason, but it's just because I, you know, I just care. So I'll just send you a voice message. If, if anyone wants any help anytime, just don't, don't be alone. Just, just reach out and um, I'll happily speak to anyone. I echo that. If anyone's struggling with grief, please, please send a message my way or towards Chris. I'm sure you'll accept that. Thanks, Chris. Love it. Cheers, David. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you've made it this far, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm so appreciative. Any comments or any feedback, please send them my way. Or...